0: Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi, everybody. This is going to be a long one. I'm just taking a guess, of course, because I, I don't time these out in advance, but I have a great deal to cover here, and it all connects. Believe it or not, it all connects. Let me start with this very quickly. I wrote another substack here on the American classroom. It is titled Second Wave Warfare A Situational Examination of a Return to Tyranny. Uh, I, I just want to preface it by basically saying this. We've essentially known that the enemy wants to do a number of different things going forward here. They're not going to quit. And until we see a complete halt and a complete reversal of everything that we've seen in the past, certainly over the last three years, that just means they're going to continue to move forward and they're going to keep playing the same cards that they've always played. We know this. You've heard me cover this here with regularity. You've brought a number of things to my attention, which I've mentioned on the show. That's going to continue to be a thing. The thing that has to change, of course, is always our response. Again, in this Substack, which I'm not going to read through, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, other than to say I quickly revisit just a few points of some of the things that we did the last time around. And then I highlight how that needle has shifted now and now we have all of these things at our disposal in the future but the one weak point for all of these corporations school districts etc government institutions because they all are the same i mean let's not kid ourselves on that they all sit on the exact same highway their weak point is our lack of participation we if we don't participate in what their Telling people to do, then we win and they lose. There isn't a single company, school district, or anything that can survive with your lack of participation. As you've heard me say, they're going to continue to push all of their evil plans, and there are many, which of course are leading to the deaths of endless people, including. The very people who are running these institutions. As I said to some friends earlier, it's as if all of these institutions are quite literally putting their own gun in their own mouth and pulling the trigger, and at the exact same time advocating for everyone else to do it, and then yelling at people who are telling them to not do it, to stay away while they actually do it. And then, of course, convince you the awake individual that you're the one who needs to advocate for them to do that to themselves and then the people around them. This should show people how far gone endless people are. Now with that said, I will say this. I know a lot of people are throwing around percentages regarding how many people are awake and how many people are asleep. I would just encourage individuals to think of it this way. Mentally, we've all seen the map of the United States. We've all seen the map of the United States when it's color-coded in red and blue. We know what those fake colors mean, but we also know what that map looks like based on the way that people have voted in the past. It's not that the vote of an individual is indicative of their ability to be awake or asleep, but on that spectrum... If an individual is more red, then they are more likely to be awake than if they are, of course, blue or leaning toward the Marxist Bolshevik point of view on a number of different issues. Me personally, I believe that there are more awake people in this country than there are asleep. And as I say in the Substack, it is impossible that endless individuals are more asleep today. Than they were in 2020. It's impossible. There are way more awake people now than there ever have been, certainly within modern times. So, any new rollout of any new plan that occurs in the future, your options are becoming more narrow now. They're, they should become way more objective. You should become more short. Less patient with individuals, whereas you may have been, you know, not so short and and uh, maybe more patient with individuals the last go around with this psychological warfare that's continuing to take place. But you know more than they do, and there are endless things again that we can continue to do that can embarrass numerous people. And crush these organizations and crush these companies. Again, we've we've been shown. We've been shown this time and time again. And that right there, you know, if if you have any relationship with God, you'll know that he shows you particular things because he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows how you learn. He knows how you think. He knows exactly what will work for you to help wake you up. What is it that you have to see? Because as we all know, that trigger point is different with just about everybody. A lot of people are, are are the same and on the same wavelength when it comes to the thing that will wake them up. But these things are continuously being shown to us on a constant basis that's leaning people more toward the majority, which is, of course, all of us and the people who are awake. Take for example, just one small thing, the whole Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light thing and that Anheuser-Busch fiasco. That right there was enough to get endless people to stop consuming those products. Throw a tranny in in the spotlight and at the forefront of being one of your spokespeople. And in in, in the blink of an eye, people crushed that company, brought it to its knees. Well, look at all the abuses that have gone on throughout this entire time. Look at the other abuses that have taken place, the child abuse the medical murder the, uh, all of that tyranny if people continue to participate in the very habits and practices that have caused endless deaths across the entire world well then that should show you that those individuals are perhaps incapable of waking up but it doesn't mean that we just have to stand by and let that take place or go along with it so in summary i will i'll run through some Specific scenarios a little bit later, perhaps, in that substack, because I've got a million notes here, and I'm just trying to hit on everything. I just don't think that our approach needs to be one of fact-finding this time around. We did that the last time. We know what our rights are. We've all read up on the law. We've gone after the school boards. You've gone after city councils. You've done this. You've done that. You didn't wear the mask, hopefully you didn't take the shots. In fact, as I'm saying this, I'm having massive deja vu. Massive deja vu right now. It just hit me like a freight train as I'm talking. But that's because this has all been done before. This is repetitive. This is the glitch in the matrix. This is is happening again, and it's causing, again, individuals to see that the enemy still exists, they're still doing these things, The reason they're not being stopped is because there aren't enough of us yet pushing back at that next level of pushing back, which involves your complete and utter lack of participation. You've heard me say it time and time again. Anybody can flatten a school district in the blink of an eye. You can do it overnight. No one shows up. Everybody calls the main office and disenrolls their children. Is that happening yet? No, it's not, which means you aren't there yet. You haven't reached that point yet. Now, it's leading toward that becoming an inevitability, but some people can't see that. They can't see the writing on the wall, the different habits that are being repeated, the different government programs that are coming down the line, and the endless excuses that are being made as to why people are unhappy in the workplace, specifically in the education field, but it's any workplace, theoretically, and they aren't, they aren't seeing that it's leaning more and more and more toward a complete and utter total control of the individual, to break you down to the point where you just go along with it no matter what, but you don't have to go along with it. I expect this time around, with any new rollout that occurs, with again the mandates and whatever else, which are completely illegal, because now we all know the definition of the word mandate, thank God, but they can't tell you what to do. And there's going to be more and more people who verbally push back and they're going to be short in their response. My recommendation is that you write down a list of mantras that you have. That you say to individuals in social settings if you are confronted by someone who has lost their mind. Now what's going to be interesting this time around is is, ver- is not verbally, but visually watching. How many people are going to go along with it? because now you will be able to see it, just like you saw it the last time around. The mask was the dead giveaway. There's no doubt about that. It's still the dead giveaway. See, this is another example as to why the devil is so awful at what, at, what he, at what he does and his plans. He makes his plans rather obvious to us. This is what he wants. He wants people gagged. He wants you to gag your children. He wants you to go along with this. But we can see it, and we know that it's wrong, which is why we've never participated and we don't participate. But visually speaking, we're going to be able to see that in the future. The question then becomes, Are you going to see as many masks and as much distancing and as much panic this time around as you did the last? My money's on no. I think you're going to see less of it. Because people, again, have had enough. They went through it the first time. The vast majority of people didn't believe the lie. They didn't go along with it, I don't think. Although I could be wrong on those percentages. Maybe most people did wear the masks. Clearly that was the case if you were walking around and you saw the mask wearing the last time around it doesn't mean that they all took the shots but it does mean that they participated in the mask in, you know in, in the mask lie either way this time around my recommendation again is that you write down a very small and short list of things to say no more than maybe 3 things that you can pull out from your memory banks in an instant if someone confronts you about something someone shouts at you to wear a mask you need to have a quick sentence of, of something to say. Yes, you can, of course, just say no, and that's fine. It's completely up to you. But you can also yell at the top of your lungs something like, We've all been lied to. You just keep believing it. That's one example. I put that out on Gab. That's one example. There are endless other examples, but think about it. Write them down. Hell, write it on your arm if you have to when you walk into a store. That's a bit, you know, it's a bit, uh, (laughs) it's a bit extreme. But the point is, is that you need to have these at the ready and say them to yourself on a constant basis because, again, it is warfare. And this, tying it back to the substack, it is second wave warfare. But we know more this time around, which means we still have the advantage. The enemy is still playing on the same losing battlefield where they lost the last time, and they actually think they're going to win again. And they did lose the last time. They woke up a lot of people. But this is the intervention of God, in my opinion. This is the Great Awakening. That's what this is. It's apocalyptic because we're being shown things that they had planned that they wanted to hide and slowly roll out over the time without us knowing. Well, now we know. We know what they have planned. That's why I keep screaming homeschool. Because I'm going to read things here that are going to prove to you, hopefully, yet again, that this is exactly what needs to happen. Because what's rolling out in one state or a handful of states, they're seeking to do this across the entire nation. Again, whether it be a program or it be a very specific excuse as to why things are the way that they are. And they're getting really dumb with their excuses. I mean, their excuses are laughable at face value now. But that's the whole problem. They're trying to normalize insanity. They're trying to normalize lies. And we know that lies are not real and we cannot allow them to be normalized under any circumstance. Because again, it has a generational ripple effect that is going to lead to the deaths of children, grandchildren, and future generations, the likes of which many people unfortunately still cannot comprehend. So with that said, let me just do a couple of quick housekeeping things here, make a couple of comments about some things in the past that are sort of unrelated to this, and then I'm going to dive right into education stuff, and it slips right into the jab-related stuff. I also have, of course, a number of comments to make based on what other people's observations are and and what's going on around the world, again, including the, uh, the increase of these Mask wearing mandates and all of this second wave warfare that's coming back yet again. So first of all, I want to spend just a second on Karen Kingston. Karen Kingston is alive. She says she is well. You can check out her Substack if you're interested. Uh, she apologized to people for not getting in in contact with them sooner. Again, she doesn't make any comments about specific individuals, but she says she's coming back to the United States. She's going to spend more time with her family, certainly her son. And then there you go. So she was on the missing persons list in Mexico, apparently, but is not missing and uh, is apparently alive and well. So there you have it. And again, I hope she has safe travels back here and she remains safe here in our country. Um, Here's the next thing. Of course, as we know, endless places are on fire, whether it be British Columbia, Canada. Uh, Washington State, Oregon, Northern California, and of course Hawaii, and numerous parts of Hawaii. There's an aspect of this that I have not heard people bring up. In all of the videos that I've watched, and the social media posts, and a number of other things, I haven't heard people consider for a minute the business of smart meters on people's homes. Smart meters have been and are becoming ubiquitous across the board regarding, again, new homes that are being built, old homes, having them swapped out. They're even swapped out without the homeowners knowing. My parents in particular, they pay more a month to make sure that they don't have a smart meter on their house because they know what the smart meters are. They are remote controlled. They are highly flammable. And, of course, they're hooked up to Bluetooth, and they send out a 5G signal where you are living, on your actual home. You can crank those bastards up to 11 and cook your house in an instant. Once they catch on fire, I mean, you know where the meter is in your home. You you know what that apparatus looks like. It'll shoot right up the power line, shoot right into your home, right into your electric box, and then your house goes up like a match in a book of matches. When it comes to all the fires that are going on around the world right now, which of course has been predicted and was the cover of Time Magazine back in May and June, 5G smart meters on people's homes are a part of the problem. Even if they aren't remotely turned on from a distance, which let's face it, they can be and they probably are, once a fire hits a 5G smart meter on a person's home, well, there's going to be a, there's going to be constant fire coming out of that 5G meter, and that smart meter. It's it's going to be shooting out like, you know, like a sparkler uh, on the Fourth of July. And 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 again, I'm sure you could put it out, but that would require you have something you know having something around your 5G meter in order to extinguish the flames as quickly as possible. But again, how many people are doing that? Let alone thinking about that. So. I just wanted to mention that, because that's one of the things again that I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about that has been written about and spoken about before, in the past, in other contexts, but for some reason, they're just not combining it with this and all of the fires that are taking place. I even again, in this text thread with a, with a few pals of mine here, uh, Jesse James brought it to my attention regarding the 5G, 5G tower on a barn of his. same thing. He said he saw, he saw smoke coming from it. He walked over to it, saw, you know, saw it sizzling, maybe some sparks coming out of it. And then, of course, he he put it out, I would assume, and then called the, the power company. And they said, yeah, we can't put in an old meter anymore. We're not allowed to do that. All we can do is replace it. They're trying to make this commonplace. But these technologies are faulty. And the enemy knows it. They don't care. They can turn those technologies up and, again, cook anything that they want. That's why the 5G towers go up in flames with ease as well. You even heard Mark Steele on this show from the UK bring that up. He said the technology that they use to build them is not good. I mean, that's the advantage regarding the 5G towers is that they can just combust and just go up in flames in an instant. The problem is is that when they're attached to a home, we're screwed. So this is part of it, and this is part of the fires, again, that I'm just not hearing a lot of people bring up. So certainly keep that in mind, perhaps, going forward. Okay, let's dive into education stuff here. And believe me when I say this, there is a thread that runs through this entire thing that is undeniable. And I want to revisit something that occurred in the past, and then, of course, the excuses that have been made and how that's leading to the new stories that are being written currently in order to manipulate individuals into normalizing this kind of behavior. In the local newspaper here where I live, in the tri-state area, or tri-county area rather, of Ohio, in southwest Ohio, they have a story here from this past Sunday that is titled, Students' Mental Health Struggles Spill Over into Ohio Schools, and then the subtitle is Post-Pandemic, Students Are Still Reeling from the Impact on Their Daily Lives. You heard me say it earlier. That title alone indicates a complete removal and dismissal of any responsibility on the parts of the individual human beings that work within these institutions. They are accepting no responsibility for anything that they've done in the past. And you know this because we've all been children. What happens with a child when you don't hold them responsible for their negative behavior? Well, they do it again, and then they do it worse the next time around. This right here continues to be the largest problem. These institutions, again... Are putting their own gun in their own mouth and pulling the trigger themselves and then yelling at everybody around them who's telling them to not do it to actually push them away and say, No, 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 we know what we're doing. You listen to us. It's my gun, it's my mouth. This is what we're doing as a business. And people are continuing to send their children to these very environments where those kinds of irrational excuses are being made. Ladies and gentlemen, these institutions were responsible for the murders and ill health of endless students, including their own employees, over the last three years, three plus years now. We're coming up on four years. That's not going to go away. That's how far gone these people are. And now they're actually going to these kinds of lengths to write these kinds of stories where they're making excuses and then, and then, as only they can, tell you as a parent or as a student or as an employee what you should be doing to help alleviate this problem that they themselves created. They're turning the individual person into the Hegelian dialect on a person-in, person-out, individual basis now. And they're trying to normalize that kind of behavior that of course is not normal because if the individual themselves makes it a part of themselves to make endless excuses for endless negative behavior that person is going to end up dead they will follow the crowd right off a cliff and unfortunately in groups and as we know numerous working environments are filled with groups of like-minded people that's going to be their their complete and utter demise it will be their total demise. And when you have parents who all agree on the lie, those parents, of course, being parents, have children, which means they're relying on what other parents are saying and doing to make decisions about their own children, which, of course, is going to get them killed too. It blows me away that individuals do not think as individuals for their own well being, let alone the, the well being of their own children. I'm certain plenty do and I know that, that it could be the the majority of individuals but unfortunately the squeaky wheel gets the grease and the vast minority has the ability to sound as if they are in the majority. So either way these are not institutions that can survive as long as they continue to make excuses like this. There's a little bit from this article that I want to read not much because it is lengthy but it continues to show the depths to which these places will go to rewrite history and make excuses for the very thing that they themselves have done. It says this, quote, more than three years after the COVID-19 pandemic started, school-age kids are still feeling the mental health impacts, which can spill over into the classroom. Quote, if students are experiencing anxiety or depression, they're not able to concentrate on the lesson, so therefore they're not getting their academic content said Jill Dudley, a licensed school counselor for Dayton Christian Schools. It says the following here: Statewide in Ohio, expulsions rose by 29% between 2017-2018 school year and the 2021-22 school year, reversing a downward trend. But suspensions, both in-school and out-of-school, fell by 11%, meaning that when kids got in trouble, they were really they, they were in serious trouble. Now again, I can interpret this very easily and translate this rather easily. If an individual is getting expelled today, they're getting expelled because there are lawsuits associated with physical violence. That's the reason. They're either bringing deadly weapons, the threat of deadly weapons, terroristic threats, things of that nature. And again, I'm using that word terrorism loosely. You you know what I'm saying. Somebody calls in a bomb threat or says they're going to blow up the place or kill somebody. Well, they're going to get expelled. That's happening more. But what's happening less are in-school and out-of-school suspensions. Now, why is that the case? It's not because there's less violence in these environments, and it's not because there's less drugs, and it's not because there's less threats going on. It's because the school building administrators are making excuses for these kinds of behavior because that is now the environment. That's the mind frame of the environment. The people who work within these environments, they're being trained to find excuses for these kinds of behaviors, chalking it up to manifestations of their disabilities, getting them on uh, you know, special education paperwork, which makes it next to impossible to get rid of somebody permanently. The list is endless. But that's, that's the overall interpretation and translation of those statistics right there. It's not because the environment is getting better. It's because the environment is getting worse and the excuses are increasing. Again, you can only throw so much mud and dirt and sweep it under the rug before eventually people start to look at it and they, and they just don't walk on it anymore. They know that it's not a rug. They know that it's a pile of shit covered with a rug on top. That's that's what this is right now. This person continued, or another individual here continued. They said, quote, I think we're still experiencing an increase in the rate of mental health concerns in children and adolescents, said Dr. Kelly Blankenship, Dayton's Children's Associate Chief Medical Officer for Behavioral Health. See what I mean? It doesn't matter the title of the person. The title can be longer. They can have more prestige, so they think but they're getting crazier the higher up the level the higher up the ladder rather that that you go it then says this suicide in 2021 the most recent year available was the 12th leading cause of death overall in ohio and was the second leading cause of death among ohioans aged 10 to 34 however the number of deaths stayed below the 10 year average of 1,836 suicide deaths reported in 2018. Well, that doesn't matter. Who led to the mental and emotional decline of these students? It was government, all government institutions, and parents themselves, not knowing what to do because they're too dependent on government. It says nationally, Early data on suicides from 2022 suggest an increase of 2.6% in total, though for people 10 to 24 years old, it went down 8.4%, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Are they to be believed? Do you believe the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention? See, this continues to be a glaring example of how they are relying. On the statistical manipulation of these institutions that do that for a living, that that's their reference point. And then, of course, they bring up numerous examples: kids are struggling with food insecurity, and they're having, you know, schools don't have enough supplies, and government can't provide enough, and that's why these children are are experiencing all these terrible things. And oh, it's society and social media and blah 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 they themselves don't accept any responsibility. They then, of course, blame numerous outside influences on the classroom, as you would expect, attacking the LGBTQ community. That's another, that's another excuse that they make. And then it says, well, what can, what can schools do? Their overall solution is to continue to be therapists. They as schools are turning themselves into mental institutions, teaching everybody to again be social workers, teaching everybody to deal with homelessness, teaching all of the people to be therapists, teaching all of the people to, who work within these buildings to, uh, to learn more coping skills and discuss mental well-being. This is a massive problem because that is called a mental institution. You have superintendents who are buying into this and going along with this. You've heard me say why. That's because now they have teacher education students at the college level from the bottom up and superintendents from the top down all saying and doing the same thing now. There was a time when that wasn't the case. If anything radical occurred, it occurred at the college level. It didn't occur at the superintendent level from the actual employees working within. Now it's ubiquitous. It's all the same. Everybody's crazy now. And now they're normalizing the environment as being a mental institution. They want more stress-free environments, and we need to we need to exercise more and a little more yoga. And then it says, well, what can parents do? Now, some of this is actually legit advice. Again, limiting social media and talking to your kids about what's going on in society but that uh, that only goes so far that only goes so far depending on the intelligence of the parent if the parents buying into all of this their children th- their children are doomed they're doomed but if the parent is awake this right here is the second wave warfare conversation that you have to have with your children if you're not having it already which is you have to continuously tell them who the enemy is the enemy is your iPad. The enemy is the internet in many cases depending on how you use it and and what you're frequenting, I should say. The enemy of of course is anybody telling you to not learn on your own. The enemy is anybody telling you to engage in groupthink, to follow the crowd. This has always really been the case. But unfortunately, the individuals again discouraging people from really critically thinking. The these people are on the hard left. And they'll even use the term critically thinking. Well, we need to get students to critically think about things. That only goes so far. Use the masks as a quick example. There are endless examples. I'm just going to hone in on the mask here real quick, putting all curricular examples to the side. The mask alone was a perfect example of what happens when you have Parents brainwashing their children. Their children physically become ill as a result of wearing the masks. They show all the physical signs. The parent brings it to the attention of the school and what the school tell the child and the parent the last time around. I'm sorry, they still have to wear the mask. Yes, they might be able to wear a clear face shield on their face, but they still have to wear it over their face to continue to be demoralized. The other thing, of course, is how many people wore the clear face masks? how many people actually went along with that one? And the reason that students wouldn't go along with that one was because they were afraid of being isolated because the vast majority of students were wearing the basic medical masks or those N95 big duck build things, which means if somebody was wearing the clear clear one where you could see their face, that was actually the smarter person, but they were being peer pressured into just wearing what everybody else was wearing. But now the school system is trying to swoop in and be the hero and tell you, well, if you see the physical symptoms of your child declining mentally and emotionally, well, then you need to get involved in reverse course. Do you see how they're trying to play the hero now when they've been the villain the entire time? They're going to do this again. They are already doing this again. I can't even believe that I'm about to read this next section this is arguably the, the one of the dumber things i've ever read in my entire life in this particular article in fact i'll just summarize it for the sake of brevity they they bring up how they can, they encourage parents to go on walks with their children in parks and then set up these these placards that have questions on them of conversations that they suggest you should have with your children. And they have a picture of a placard here that's called Mindfulness Walks, Share Kindness with Others. And then it has particular topics of things that you can bring up with the people that you're walking with in outdoor settings. And then what you should be discussing. So it's an NGO telling you what conversations you should be having with your kids. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have to rely on government to have a conversation with your child, you're a fucking idiot. It's that simple. Sorry for cursing, but it's true. It's 100% true. You are unfit to be a parent. If you have to buy a book that says, what conversation should I have with my kid? If you don't know that and that's not innately in you, that should be proof positive that you're brainwashed. If you have to go on a walk with your kid and come across a placard that says, "These are the questions that this placard wants me to ask you. So, we're going to I'm going to read this and then we're going to go on our walk and I'm going to I'm going to ask you these questions and we're going to have a nice discussion." You need to be hit in the head with a tack hammer cuz you're a moron. It's that simple. Conversation starters. This is from again I can't believe I'm reading this. I can't believe it. But I can. In fact, let me mention this. At face value, first of all, this is on the website Children'sDayton.org. Their logo is the Build Back Better logo. That rainbow wheel thing, it's a variation of that. That's it. Above and Beyond, it says Dayton Children's, above and beyond. Oh, it's above and beyond, all right. These people are crazy. And again, as you would expect, the article that, I, that I'm referencing here from the, uh, you know, from the newspaper is written by two hard leftist females, and these are not old women. These are younger girls, because remember, one of the brainwashing tactics that occurs with the left is tricking these young, inexperienced girls into believing that they've already had all the experiences in their life that they're ever going to have, and they're experts at everything. These are clearly some of the most naive individuals on the face of the planet. They're totally brainwashed. They have no idea what's going on. Here's what one of the placards says that they highlight within that particular newspaper article. It says, Mindfulness walks at the beginning. Share kindness with others. Here's what it says top to bottom. It says, Think of something kind you've done for someone else. Maybe you helped someone in your family or someone at work, school, or in your community. So not only are they telling you what conversations to have, they're telling you how to think. The next one says, think of something kind that someone else has done for you. How did it make you feel? The next one says, now think of something kind that you haven't done yet, but that you will the next time you have the chance. Slowly take a deep breath in and slowly breathe out while you think. Is there someone you could help? Someone with whom you could share some kind words? Try to remember to do this kind thing when you can. Share kindness, find joy. And then they have a little QR code at the bottom and blah, blah, blah. People spend money on these things. Telling people how to think and how to feel and what conversations to have and make sure that you have these conversations while you're wearing your mask. Take a big, deep breath in and take a big, deep breath out. They've lost their minds. It is, it is manipulation to the nth degree, not just of the people on the outside, but the very people doing these things themselves and creating these activities. These are the very people who are the ultimate brainwashed, and you will never fix these people. They are too far gone. They're just too far gone. So I'm going to stop that article there, but keep it in mind that, again, the complete manipulation of control and the complete manipulation of how you should think and how you should feel by the very people who have already told you how to think and how to feel and destroyed the mind of of parents, children, and everybody who works within these giant hives, whether, again, they be in High-rises, cubicles, school buildings, wherever. If everybody's thinking alike, someone's not thinking. And this is going to continue to be a massive problem, but the excuses that they are going to create for their own participation in their own decline of both themselves mentally and the people around them and children everywhere, that's endless. It's absolutely endless. Let me now bring this up, and I can't believe I'm reading this one although again like previously i certainly can believe it because this is what the enemy has planned they're trying to normalize things that are not normal because they are fake this comes from fox2now.com out of missouri but this is simply a story from the hill so it's national news but anyway it's on it's on missouri one of missouri's local affiliates it is titled i hope you're sitting down it is titled Student test scores, already beleaguered, face new threats from extreme heat. Yes, that's right. They're blaming heat now and increase in heat waves and rising temperatures as a reason why students are doing worse in school. Next to the title, they run an actual video of a guy describing weather and what El Nino and La Nina really mean. It's absolutely nuts. I have to read this. It's not that long. Uh, It's just pathetic. It says the following. Again, this is from The Hill. Student learning and test scores are shown to fall when children are faced with extreme heat. A worrying sign that heat waves and rising temperatures become the norm in the United States. If you believe this, you're an idiot. If you believe this, you are brainwashed. Which means, again, don't think this is the only thing you're brainwashed on. You're probably brainwashed on everything. It continues. Not you, of course. You're all awake. But move this to the brainwashed and see how it makes them feel. It says, quote, During this past week, millions of students went back to school even as the Pacific Northwest faced an unprecedented heat wave that is suspected of killing three people. They're not talking about the fires. (laughs) That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about increased heat and how that's killed three people and, oh, that's going to really wear on the mental and emotional frame of mind of the child. It says, The persistent soaring temperatures, especially in areas unfamiliar with them, disproportionately impact children in rural or low-income areas where school districts may not have adequate air conditioning. Oh my God. It says, "quote." My colleagues and I have a couple of studies where we found that higher, I'm sorry, that we find that hotter temperatures during the school year affect the rate of learning, said Jisung Park, not English, assistant professor in the Department of Public Policy at the UCLA Luskin Center for Innovation. Quote, when we look at how more days above 85 degrees or more days above 90 in the school year, it affects test scores. We find that it actually reduces the rate of learning, he added. The predicament heightens the already extraordinary learning gap students brought back after the COVID-19 and remote learning. I, you know, I'm rubbing my face right now. I uh you can, you you see what I'm saying here. You see the dismissal of any responsibility at the hands of these people. They will slit the throat of a child and say, it's your fault. They'll blame society. They'll have blood all over them, but they will be the ones that do it. And they will say, well, it wasn't our fault. It was the pandemic. That's what caused this. That's what caused me to pick up the knife and do what I did as a school teacher, an administrator, or a government institution. The excuses have no ends. They know no ends when it comes to the excuses that they're capable of making. It says the latest scores from the National Assessment of Educational Progress, NAEP, showed 13-year-olds averaging reading scores that are the lowest point since 2004 the average mathematics scores have gone down to levels last seen in 1990. Extreme heat negatively affecting student outcomes has been well documented for years, but climate change is driving the problem to new heights and new locations. I have to finish this article. It says, in 2020, Park, along with two other colleagues from Stanford University and Boston College, released a study analyzing heat and learning outcomes data from 58 countries. The report showed hot temperatures can not only disrupt students on test days, but can negatively impact learning in the longer term. Quote, it's bigger. It's a bigger effect for minority and lower-income students, possibly because they don't have as much air conditioning or other cooling access, either at home or at school, Park said. There you go. White privilege. See how they just toss that in? It's the white man's fault, and it's white supremacy. That's, that's the issue here, and don't you ever forget it. These people are certifiable, ladies and gentlemen. They're certifiable. It says, uh, let's see, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, maybe not surprising in this country that lower income Americans have less air conditioning in the schools. But what they were able to do is then show that this contributes substantially to the racial gap in test scores or educational achievements, said Marshall Burke, associate professor at the Doerr School of Sustainability at Stanford University. In an EdWeek Research Center survey back in 2021, and EdWeek, by the way, is as hard left as you can go, it was always shown there were high disparities in which regions in the U.S. had air-conditioned schools. It's because they're wasting money on bullshit. They're wasting their money on DEI programs, LGBTQXYZ tranny flags. And all of the tchotchkes that come with that instead of buying air conditioning or opening a window or getting a fan, it's not that tough. I went through school, elementary school large in large part, having no air conditioning. We only had heat, and what would we, i mean what what did we do? Heaven forbid I mean, what did we do? We opened a window and turned a fan on. we stuck a fan in a window and we'd turn it on. Not difficult. But remember, it's always the white man's problem. And it's always the white man's fault, rather. The white man's fault is everyone else's problem. They're actually writing this. They actually believe this to be real. That climate change is the reason why test scores are going down in the United States, and, well, it was also the pandemic. It says, quote, 88% of district leaders and educators in the South said that their school buildings had air conditioning, whereas only 20% in the North were able to say the same thing, according to the survey. The lack of good air conditioning in northern school districts has resulted in some students not being able to go to classes' temperatures increase, most commonly at the beginning and end of the academic year. In June, some schools in Michigan and Pennsylvania closed, Or went to remote learning for a few days due to extreme heat. And the phenomenon will likely only get worse. Do you see what they're doing here? Do you see the narrative that they are starting to perpetuate? They're in on it, ladies and gentlemen. The American K 12 School and the Teachers Union is in on the climate change lie. They're in on it. They're going to go hand in hand lockstep with government. Government moves this way. The school system moves that same direction. It will only get worse. Again, they're telling you. They're normalizing what is not normal. It says more than 100 million Americans over the summer faced extreme heat warnings raging across regions throughout the United States. There never used to be heat warnings. It's called summer. And if you're hot, stand in the shade. (laughs) It's It's not difficult. Quote, I think with climate change, we should expect the exposure to get worse, Burke said. Policymakers need to tackle the very hard problems of mitigating climate change while also implementing policies to ensure that students are protected when temperatures get too hot, such as updating school infrastructure and air conditioning. Oh, you think? That's according to that Burke idiot. It says, however, experts caution against the situation being seen as doom and gloom scenario with no possibility of improvement. Park said that data also suggests that the smart policies, that with smart policies, they say, these effects can be mitigated pretty effectively. Again, whether that's air conditioning or something else, I think it'll depend on local circumstances, unquote. Do you see how they just Immediately give you the common sense answer at the end, but they scare the shit out of people in the middle. It's amazing. I think this can be fixed, and it's called buying an air conditioning unit. Uh but but uh the, the world's burning, and uh this is why students cannot cannot pass their tests, because you know, heat impacts the mind and blah, blah, blah. They're grooming people. Into believing lies and normalizing these lies, and they're grooming people into having a lowered state of mental and emotional health. And then they're claiming to sell you the solution. These institutions cannot be trusted. Here's some audio from another story titled Innovation or Risk Missouri's Top Education Leader Questions Value of four day school week. Let's give this a listen in three, two, one.
1: Missouri students are heading back to the classroom for a new year, but roughly a quarter of the state's school districts are only in session four days a week. Shorter work weeks are helping districts recruit teachers. Our Missouri Chief Capital Bureau reporter, Emily Manley says the state's
2: education department is leery. In a state that is suffering a teacher shortage crisis, Some schools are pivoting to four-day weeks, with more districts expected to implement shortened work weeks this year. The state's top education leader is concerned about instructional time for students. It's challenging to go back to a five-day after you've had the four-day. An effort to attract potential
1: teachers is becoming more prevalent. We are seeing an increase at a statewide level on the number of districts who are
2: deciding to go to a four-day school week. Legislation passed in the late 2000s allowed schools to move to four-day weeks following the recession to help save money on things like fuel for buses. But now, while it
1: certainly could be a recruitment tool in the short term, it's, it's not a potentially a sustainable recruitment tool if all the neighboring districts uh, suddenly go to a four-day school week as well.
2: Last year, more than 140 districts in all-time high implemented four-day weeks. Margie Van Dieven is the commissioner for the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education.
1: This is the first time we've seen larger districts that are pursuing it. And so we've seen a slight uptick in the percentage of our students. I believe it's around maybe 10% of our students currently um, in the upcoming school year enrolled in a district that's offering
2: a four-day week. Starting this school year, independent school district just outside of Kansas City will implement four-day weeks. With nearly 14,000 students, it's the largest district so far to make the switch.
1: We're at a time in uh, education where we're looking at a need to potentially increase our instructional time. So how are those districts using the the hours of instruction? Are they spreading them out? Are they adding it to the end of the day? What does that look like?
2: And this comes at a time when many districts are struggling to fill vacancies.
1: Any profession that's seeing almost half of their population leave within the first five years of uh, entering the field would be very concerned about that as we are.
2: Van even says the department is looking to study the impact a four-day school week has on students, since now there's an influx of districts implementing shortened weeks. Reporting from Missouri Capital Bureau, I'm Emily Mandlin.
0: God, I could take this in a thousand directions. I could take this in a thousand directions. You've heard me mention the business of this four-day week stuff as a recruitment tool before, specifically in the state of Missouri, but other places as well. Again, they falsely use it as a way to bring in teachers when people don't want to be in the profession and they say, hey, you can have a three-day weekend every week. Now, just sign on the dotted line and enjoy your longer weekend because you'll know that everybody else who's in the profession is probably engaging in a five-day work week, but not you. This is not the answer to anything. This is a move. It's a It's a Band-Aid on a gushing artery that is going to blow the Band-Aid right off the wound. And it's not going to matter what particular Band-Aid they put back on. It's They're finished. They're completely finished. Again, throw in illness. Throw in the jabs. Throw in the constant manipulation that's taken place. The level-headed individual wants nothing to do with these environments whatsoever. They want nothing to do with it being a teacher in particular. You've heard me say, only the most immoral human beings would be school teachers in today's schools, because they went along with all of this over the last three and a half years. They've gone gone through all of these lies, all of these manipulative tactics, so on and so forth. Now they're trying to actually rewrite the parameters of the profession in order to bring in people who want nothing to do with it. It's a losing recipe. It's a, it's a losing scenario. There, there's no, I, I, again, I'm rambling, but, but you get what I'm saying. The, the woman's voice that you heard in the story, this Margie uh, Vander, I'm sorry, Van Deven is her last name. She, she's right and she's wrong. She's trying to grab a hold of something that is slipping through her fingers, and she has no idea that she'll never, ever be able to grasp it ever again. Again, she said a quarter of schools in the state of Missouri are at a four day work week. And she brought up the accurate statistic of 50% leaving the profession of education within the first five years. That's a turnover rate that should tell people in the profession that everything that's going on in the profession is wrong. Everything. Right down to the curriculum. I've been over that at length a million times. When you teach lies and you have brainwashed people teaching lies, and then all of those individuals in that environment are being psychologically manipulated and tortured by government, they're living an entire life and an entire profession that is not real. It's an illusion. That's why people leave. Because they're seeing too many, they're just seeing too much of the wrong thing take place and they can never get control of it. They can never control it, and they're never going to be able to control it, and that's impossible for them to think. That's impossible for their, for their mind to, to wrap their mind around. They just, they just can't do it. They can't reach that level of ascension and that dimension of thought that they are trying to maintain a sinking ship. They don't want to believe they're on a sinking ship, not, not for a minute. Because again, someone's running up and down the ship saying, the boat's sinking, the boat's sinking. The vast majority of, of the people on the boat will throw that person overboard and say, that's the crazy person. Even, even though that individual is then swimming away, watching the boat sink. Everybody's just going about their business as if nothing bad is happening. Again, you know they're shooting in the dark, they're swinging at nothing it 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 isn't going to work for them in the long run not at all because government has a far more nefarious plan and i'm glad that this was just sent my way by some friends but uh i'm going to read you now what the state of michigan has planned before i do though i want to mention this it's it's you know i've i've brought this up a long long time ago but it's kind of a personal thing and and frankly uh, I haven't experienced this particular thing in in twelve years it's been twelve years. I had a dream twelve years ago, and if you're into dreams and dream interpretation, you'll enjoy this. But I had this dream twelve years ago when I was essentially on my way out of the education profession, and that snowball had been kicked down the hill where I had moved from a middle school to a high school and I've talked about that breakdown that I had. And the constant lying and trying to grab a hold of something that's real in an empire of lies, I'll never forget this dream that I had because I had never had it previously, and since having it, twelve years ago I had never i had I haven't had it until last night and here's what the dream is and then of course, twelve years ago, when I had the dream, I looked up what the dream actually means from a psychological standpoint, and it makes sense, but twelve years ago. And then last night, I had a dream where my teeth were falling out of my mouth. And your teeth are falling out of your mouth, and they're breaking as they're falling out of your mouth. And you're seeing them in your hands, physically seeing them in your hands as they're falling out of your mouth. And then I put them on the bathroom counter and there they are in front of me, and I'm trying to keep them in my mouth, the ones that are still there, but they just keep falling out. As it turns out in the dream interpretation land and literature, teeth falling out of your mouth and seeing shattered teeth in your hands and then in front of you as they keep falling out of your mouth is your brain's interpretation of trying to control something that it cannot control. You're trying to get a hold of something, whatever it may be, in your life or certainly in society and in the world we live in, and you just can't control it. So I interpret it, it's a horrific dream as you might expect, but I interpret it as you've got to let go of the fact that there's things that you're just not going to be able to control, which means, from a Buddhist perspective, certainly having read a bunch of that previously, uh, you know, well over a decade and a half ago, what is it that you should be focusing on? You should be focusing on the things that you can control. So I just wanted to mention that that now is a good time to pay attention to the kinds of dreams you have if you if you recall your dreams. And if you have very vivid dreams like that, don't hesitate to look them up and look up what they actually mean. Lots of literature on dream interpretation out there, but I had that dream just last night. I haven't had it in 12 years and it's one hell of a dream. And you wake up from it. I mean, you wake up after your teeth are falling out of your head and you, you swipe your tongue across your teeth to make sure that they're still in your head. <laughs> and, uh, thankfully, they were all there, but that's the whole that's the whole point is that it's your mind's way of of trying to control something that seems otherwise uncontrollable makes sense certainly during this time, but uh, there you go. That leads me to this now. Here's what the state of Michigan has planned, and you can count on certainly in the hard left wing. I would even say globalist-filled, you know, globalist states that are filled with illegal immigrants or just, I won't even say immigrants, they're just illegals. They're illegal criminals and they don't belong here, but you can count on states like this doing this and then it becoming more ubiquitous across the board. This is from Michigan.gov and Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and this was written back on July 11th of this year. It is titled Executive Order 2023-6, Michigan Department of Lifelong Education Advancement and Potential Executive Reorganization. I'll summarize it by saying this before I get into some of the bullet points. It's communism. They're trying to redistrict and reestablish a different Department of Education to make it communistic, from cradle to grave, and then right into the profession that you have as an adult. That's the whole point. In the very first sentence, I should say, they're calling this a path to prosperity. It says, they deserve, it says, every Michigander deserves a path to prosperity. They deserve to explore, learn, grow, and develop the skills they need to thrive. That's why I'm focused on building a bright future for Michigan by making strategic decisions and investments now for the long term. It then says this, This is for far too long. Michigan has fallen behind other states and countries when it comes to student achievement and attainment, impacting the state's workforce and economic growth. The next paragraph down, it says, in other words, we must support lifelong education achievement and potential. Consolidating various programs from across state government into a single department will enhance our ability to create a path to prosperity for every Michigander and support the long-term economic health of our state with a coordinated strategy. You have to keep in mind, too, that they're including illegals in this entire process because they have to dumb down the entire system, make it ubiquitous and then that involves and includes everybody, including people who shouldn't be here. It says, Establishing the Michigan Department of Lifelong Education Advancement and Potential, or M-I-L-E-A-P, my leap, clever, ensures all available resources, data, and dollars are aligned around a single vision, communism. Building an education system from preschool through post-secondary that can support our kids, families, and the economy of the future by ensuring anyone can make it in Michigan. My Leap will achieve this goal by establishing clear metrics collaborating with cross-sector leaders at the local, regional, and state level and developing a shared action plan for everyone to work toward. Communism, Communism. Very briefly, I'm just going to read the subchapters of this particular letter. There are a few here. The first one is the creation of the Michigan Department of Education, Lifelong Education Advancement, and Potential. So they're going to do that. The next thing is transfers from the Department of Education. They're going to take all these different programs that exist within the Department of Education in Michigan and move them toward this My Leap thing. Transfers from the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity, same thing. Transfers from the Department of Licensing and Regulatory Affairs, they're moving that in as well. Transfers from the Department of the Treasury, they're moving that into the MyLeap thing. Transfers from the Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. Transfers from the Department of Natural Resources. Coordination with the Department of Technology, Management, and Budget. And then they have a reserved authority, which means all the other things that we want to do. To some, this particular program may sound like they're limiting government or reducing government. I, I would argue the opposite, that yes, at face value it may look like that. But what they want with the combination of all of these different departments being consolidated into one, is they can be very specific with who they hire within this singular department and then those sub-departments within that larger My Leap department. They get to control again who is within those departments and how much do they agree with the other individuals that are basically running the entire show. They don't want any dissenting voice is the overall point. They want everybody to work in the same place and say and do the exact same thing all of the time. That's, that's the overall point here. At least I should say that's my interpretation of what this looks like to me. Because again, if it says government, I don't trust it. And if government is saying, well, we find all of these different departments valuable, but we want them all to be over here instead of over there. We want them all to be under the same roof as opposed to being in different roofs, because if it's under the same roof, they can have oversight over it. And by oversight, I mean influence. I mean indoctrination, making sure, again, that any dissenting voice isn't allowed in so that everybody who works there believes and acts in the exact same way. I'll conclude that and bring it right into. The fake COVID plandemic scandemic topics here that I have with this transition, you you recall me saying a long time ago, and even Vanessa Hurst brought it up on the show years ago when she was on that. This is exactly what the enemy has planned when it comes to these other government distractions that take place. Excuse me, and these other psychological operations that take place. They seek to find total control with manufactured chaos. So they already have these plans worked up. They just implement them and seek to implement them while other people are paying attention to other things. And this is the plan for education. The plan for education is, again, to continue to manipulate it to the point where ultimately it does not exist. It, of course, can exist based on the previous model because, as you know, it's built on a foundation of lies. And then it requires brainwashed individuals who believe those lies to then be the only people who work within those environments. They're doing that now to the nth degree by trying to get more and more people who are brainwashed and believe all of these curricular lies and these institutional lies and psychological manipulation and normalizing all of that, they're trying to make that commonplace as much as humanly possible. And this is one of those government entities and government programs that is seeking to do that also. So just keep that in mind going forward. Um, Be on the lookout for that. Okay, here we go. This is where it slides right into the COVID stuff. Of course, last week, the massive rumors of the TSA and Border Patrol whistleblowers saying that mask mandates are going to come back and it's going to be a quick, slow roll of particular policies and procedures, much of which we already have seen before, of course, and experienced in the past. And what's likely to occur here in the future? They're starting up again with the fake variant lie all over again. The new CDC director, a Miss Cohen from North Carolina, who again, Terry Fail brought up on the show when she was on and said, this woman wants to lock people down again. She's lost her mind. She's completely nuts. Again, all you have to do is look in her eyes. It's all in the eyes. It's always in the eyes. Her eyes are as big as saucers. They're they're plastered wide open. This woman has been, uh, she's been tied to a chair and cattle prodded into carrying out what she Apparently, wants to carry out along with the rest of government, and that's it seems like it's an inevitability here. The question becomes now about what we have learned from the past and then future situational awareness of what we are w- willing to do now in the future. I feel compelled to revisit this just because I want to. I don't know who listens to the show that is new, and if you are listening to the show for the first time, welcome. But allow me to crack through the lies of endless generations before ours and, uh, and, and get down to the crux of the matter here. First of all, the sick people going forward are the people who took the shots because they have damaged DNA now as a result of the bioweapon shots. That's a fact. There are no variants. There are none. There are a plethora of symptoms, thousands of symptoms, that an individual can have as a result of having VATES or even just flat out AIDS, which is acquired immune deficiency syndrome brought about by vaccination. This permanently damages your DNA, keeping your body systems from acting appropriately the way that God intended them to behave. We've been poisoned with food, water, chemtrails. And certainly the medical industry and everything in it. So there are no variants. Keep that in mind going forward. You will hear of new variants. There's already at least two or three different names now of variants of quote unquote COVID, which does not exist. It does not stand for coronavirus 2019. It stands for Certificate of Vaccination Identification Artificial Intelligence, 19AI. That's what it stands for. Any shot going forward is not going to have a positive impact on anyone. It will lead to their death, continue to damage their DNA. You heard me bring this up back in July, the old triple-demic. RSV shots, which again are respiratory illnesses, so anybody who has a respiratory illness is basically from anything that they've taken or done in the last three years. They're going to be compelled to take this shot from their quote-unquote doctors and other individuals because that will be one of their symptoms, trouble breathing or a chronic cough. And then they will say, well, have you had the RSV shot? And they'll say no. And then they'll say, well, it's protecting against that and it'll keep it from getting worse. People will believe this, they will take it and they will die. The same is true with flu shots going forward and how the nanotechnology That exists in the COVID bioweapon shots also exists in all shots going forward. This is what is happening. This is what is going to happen. But they have to have the variant lie out there in order to perpetuate this fairy tale. They, of course, are also and have already created a quote unquote booster shot for these variants that they claim exist. Doesn't matter the fairy tale. Any booster shot a person takes with the name booster on it, they are not going to make it. They will continue to get sick and they will expire. You've heard me say this, of course, along with endless others, that with every passing season, every single time that the leaves start to fall from the trees and the winds change and the temperature changes, the body normally does the exact same thing in particular in an individual who's consistently poisoned themselves with all of the previous things I just mentioned. We are going to see this at increased rates as time goes on, because among those who took even two COVID shots, I'm I'm even hearing more and more examples of the people who took just two COVID shots as now being experts on all of it. And they're walking around acting like they're not damaged and everything is okay. To those people, I would say you would, you would do well to hold your tongue, and you would do well to just be real quiet and real careful here, because you don't know what lies ahead. And as it turns out, many of us have a pretty flippin' good idea. So just slow your roll, pump the brakes, and take it easy for a minute. We've been ahead of the curve on this for a very long time. These are the different excuses, though, that they're going to use in the future. So when you hear variant, just think symptom. It's just going to be a different symptom that a person has, and they're going to say, well, we're seeing people with these kinds of symptoms. It's inevitable that the symptoms will get worse with time, because that's what happens with someone who is becoming ill over time and slowly dying. I want to read this very quickly. Again, Basically, for the duration of the episode, I'm gonna be bouncing around on this entire issue for for a number of different things. But I want to bring this up. I posed a question on Gab over the weekend, and I simply asked, is is anybody seeing an uptick in sepsis? And if you're unfamiliar with what sepsis is, in particular among the jabbed, of course. But sepsis, if you're unfamiliar, has to do with an inflammation of your uh, of basically every body system in the human body as a result of infection. Sepsis is rare, but it's made a comeback. And wouldn't you know, it's the COVID shots that are doing it. Why? Because people's DNA is completely snapped in half. It's ruined now. So their body systems don't know how to fight off infection. That, of course, brings in the whole IgG4. Aspect of having a compromised immune system and AIDS-related illnesses. Sepsis is one of them. Body wide inflammation as a result of your body not being able to fight off the toxic cells that your body is constantly producing. So I posed the question and I got a number of responses back, and I and I want to preface this by saying the following. I have a family member who had sepsis back in, in May. And there were a variety of symptoms associated with it. This individual is jabbed. It's not uncommon. This is what the jabs are doing. So I'm going to leave that story at that. They're alive, although how long is anyone's guess at this point? But the point is, is that I posted this question and these were some of the responses that I received. You may also recall that in those Pfizer documents that were court ordered to be released back in the spring of 2022, I read through a great deal of those, not all of them because there were thousands of symptoms, but the first five had to do with cognitive decline. And sepsis is one of those things that leads to cognitive decline. Again, early onset dementia, forgetfulness, things of that nature. Here's what one individual said. They said, quote, the shakes. They said, a lot of people I know who got the shot have the noticeable shakes, one has dementia symptoms and a strange heart rate thing where it just drops for no reason. Another has heart failure. One had a heart attack within six months of the second shot and had blockages removed. Now has kidney issues and breathing problems. Neighbor in his early 50s, unquote. Another one says TIAs mini or mini strokes. My, hus- my hubby had seven since getting jabbed, unquote. Another one said, people are very angry and stupid. I've been a server for 34 years and I've never seen anything like it. You know, that's an interesting observation too, because I have some family members and some cousins who are in customer service and in sales and things of that nature, and they're saying the same things about the people that they're working with, that just the level of stupidity among individuals is next level these days. Uh, here's another one. Individual said, my mother, three times jab, started bleeding. Started taking Eloquis for blood thinning recommended by her primary doctor. year later, recently, I took her to the ER. Uh, red blood cell count down and feeling lightheaded. Finds out it's internal bleeding. Her doctor confirmed what I said that it was. From before the test results, besides the jabs, the doctor even asked if I was a doctor and told I've been paying attention. Well, I was right. Now she's on a new drug to help her bleeding. Lord knows what else is going to happen in the short term, mentally preparing for the worst, even though she seems to be getting by. She still watches her CNN, though. Uh, She loves God, but watches CNN, lol. I'm amazed how easily Satan has manipulated her. Unquote. "Another person also posted that ascorbic acid and oregano oil they said are two great ways that are natural ways to fight sepsis more than anything else. So again you can look those up on your own time but the symptoms are endless is my point and they're using the the varying symptoms excuse me as being the precursor for their variant lie." And this continues again to be the problem that I have with the Dr. McCulloughs of the world who believe that these variants are real. All they're looking at are human slides under a microscope from the blood of individuals who are jabbed and have varying symptoms and saying, do you see that cell? That cell looks different than this cell. And we're seeing more of that cell than this cell, so it must be a variant. No, there are no variants cells deteriorate at different rates at different times based on different symptoms in different body systems in different parts of the body. There's no invisible thing floating around in the air that's different than anything else. Keeping in mind, however, the electromagnetic shedding is an ever-present thing, and, and the, the shedding is still occurring, and the more that people get shots, the more the more they're going to shed, and so on and so forth. So again, I wanted to read some of those because, again, those are just some of the things that are continuing to take place. As you might imagine, this is where it slides right into the college and university environment because this is where it's going to have an impact on the students and the staff members who attend those environments. We already have Rutgers University requiring the COVID vaccine and masks to be worn on their campuses, and they are disenrolling students who do not participate. So that should tell you all you need to know about Rutgers and the people that are going there. Rutgers University will cease to exist in the future because they are killing off everybody who attends. Mark my words, a day will come when there is no more Rutgers University. that They will have to close their doors, which of course leads to endless lies as to why they would even do that. They'll say, well, it's because of illness when really, in fact, it's death. And it brings up a number of other different scenarios. Let me read this one, though. This has, of course, been making the rounds. This is Morris Brown College in Atlanta. They're already mandating that masks be worn also. Uh, This was the letter that was put out. It's on August 20th. It says, greetings, faculty, staff, and students. Effective immediately, Morris Brown College has reinstated its COVID-19 mask mandate due to reports of positive cases. Among students in the Atlanta University Center, over the next 14 days, the following protocols will be in place. Keep in mind, again, they're continuing to use COVID tests that are predetermined and don't test for anything. And they're still believing these tests. There's no COVID. There's no COVID test. There is only ruined DNA from injecting yourselves with a biological weapon. That's it. Their protocols are the following. They have seven listed here. Number one, mask wearing. All students and employees are required to wear face masks staff may remove in their offices while alone. Number two, physical distancing. Students must maintain physical distancing. Number three, large gatherings. Institutional guidelines for gathering sizes must be followed. There will be no parties or large student events on campus for the next two weeks. Number four, Isolation and quarantine. Students must adhere to institutional policies and CDC guidelines for isolation and quarantine. Number five, contact tracing. Compliance with college-initiated contact tracing efforts is expected. Number six, symptom monitoring. Students and employees are obligated to undergo temperature checks upon campus arrival. Number seven, Regular hand-washing and sanitation. Frequent hand-washing is expected from all students and employees. If they can do this at a small college in Atlanta, they can do it everywhere. This is just the slow roll. They're just slowly rolling this out. Now, mask-wearing scenarios. Let me read from my substack here. Down the list of potential scenarios that I highlighted, what's likely to occur, what we're likely to see certainly again at the university and even K 12 level regarding all of this nonsense. I had nine bullet points in the article, and it says possible scenarios that the enemy might be forced to make in the future and their reactionary consequences include but are not limited to returning. Number one returning illegal mask mandates for stores, businesses, and schools this will thereby create the reaction of businesses being hurt financially, schools closing and trust eroding on that same wavelength Stu Peters was in a parking lot of a target the other day and they were repaving the entire parking lot and restructuring the in- entire parking lot at target and they were putting up two dozen. COVID delivery parking spots for when you make online orders and then drive to Target and then they bring out your items from Target and then place them in your car so that you don't go in and actually get what you need. This is already being done, which means again, that's something to pay attention to, to see who else is doing that. It says, number two, school closures would force more families into homeschooling environments online. This will continue to create an irreversible want and need for homeschooling, which is free from government manipulation. Now, let me run this scenario on the other end of the spectrum. The university environment, as you've even heard Dr. Robin McCutcheon bring up, which, by the way, she's going to be on in just another week or so, that she herself openly stated that they'll have to go back to online learning. They'll have to go back to the online environment because with more and more sick people at the university level, they can't possibly maintain face-to-face environments. Again, they're continuing to build these, these health infrastructures on college campuses also. They will be overwhelmed because hospitals are overwhelmed right now, not just with their own employees who have been jabbed, but other people who have, of course, have been jabbed as well. Number three, I wrote, as the bioweapon recipients continue to get sick from the damage that they've already done to themselves, they may rely on new false narratives such as the COVID variant lie and more vaccines to alleviate their already compromised immune systems. This will lead to further sickness and death that will be noticeable. It will also be impossible to maintain many more working environments due to a lack of employees and human participation. Along these same lines, well, I'll bring that up later, actually. I'll bring it up later. Number four, the sheep will continue, or will become rather more angry the next time around. While they will continue to play this manipulative game, their agitation will reach new levels, and this will be filmed and shared worldwide which again leads back to the mantra stuff I said earlier. You need to have some kind of a reaction yourself that you bring up to these people when they confront you. Number five, university environments that have removed their COVID bioweapon mandates, and most have as of now, may make mandatory the RSV and flu shots in order to attend. They may also do that, I might add, on a year-in and year-out basis going forward. That on a year in and year out basis, they force you to get a flu shot or an RSV shot. I also wrote, they may also enforce illegal mask mandates again in their false effort to combat something that mask wearing, oxygen deprivation, only exacerbates. Number six, university and K 12 schools and places of employment may also refuse to accept any and all medical or religious exemptions for any type of shot going forward. I think you can expect this. They were overwhelmed the last time these institutions were with the medical exemptions and the religious exemptions. Well, we had never really heard of those. The vast majority of the population never, never had to participate in medical or religious exemptions. And if you had them, it was because you were you know, a handicapped K-12 student who couldn't be in gym class. That was really about it. But it became ubiquitous across the board over the last three years, and now you have to assume that the enemy is going to look for a way to do away with those. So keep that in mind going forward too. Number seven, I wrote, These university environments may also move to an online environment, as I said earlier, as more students and staff become sick from the shots they've already taken and continue to take, as well as the electromagnetic shedding that is ever present. Number eight, Internal battles, and this is key, which is going to lead to the next thing I'm going to mention here. Internal battles within elected and non elected institutions are going to reach heightened levels. More employees within these institutions will stand against the moves that their employers will make, and they will do so more verbally, whereas previously they may have just gone along to get along or filled out an exemption or whatever. And then number nine, but I'll revisit eight here in just a minute. Any internet shutdown, of course, as we know, is going to cripple these institutions by default, which means they'll all close their doors. They may use an internet shutdown as an excuse to essentially be a uh, almost like a tag team partner with, with illness from the jabs. And they'll say, well, we're experiencing a cyber attack, but that's a good thing because now... Uh, everybody's out of their working environments, and hopefully everybody can can be healthy yet again. I know it seems like a stretch, but having these things connected i I, I think makes plenty of sense it's it, again it's psychological warfare on a multi-dimensional level, so why not have two dimensions working at the exact same time against against everybody? Um the internal battles portion though within elected and non-elected institutions. This is this is going to be an interesting an interesting thing I think that that's going to take place. It boils down to what what are you prepared to do now? We've lived through this before, what are you prepared to do? The other day I was listening to Alex Jones and the part that I've enjoyed regarding his show and it really is the I would say one of the only parts that I've enjoyed is the fact that he takes phone calls, and every now and again, he'll take phone calls from people for three straight hours. In my humble opinion, this is where the real intel exists. This is where you really start to get the real juice as to what is going on across the nation. So I took some notes on what the callers were saying, and I want to read what these callers were saying because this was interesting, I thought. First of all, a woman called in who works at Kroger's, the uh, grocery store chain, and she works at Kroger's in Michigan, and she said that masks are coming back. She was in the break room, and there was a brand new giant box of masks. She was talking with management, and they were saying that with new variants and new illnesses coming out, they're, they're getting ahead of this, and they're preparing because this is what corporate is telling them. She openly said she's going to quit the second that they start to force these on their employees. She will quit. She said she doesn't care. If she's homeless, she doesn't care about anything else. She's just going to quit. This brings up something that I think is remarkably important to to visit here, and it has to do with situational awareness regarding that very phenomenon right there. What are you willing to do? as an individual or as a collective within your working environment, wherever it is, if you end up being forced, so so they think, to play along with this one more time. My guess is the following. In these environments, in particular within, again, the cubicle working environments, and, and it's all of these working environments, they'll shoot out some kind of an email that will say, given the heightened level of blah, 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 and all these variants and illness and whatever, that the very next day, or they might even drop this email on a Friday and tell people that on the Monday after the weekend, make sure you come back wearing your mask because this is now mandated across our company or across our school district or whatever. They'll do it in the blink of an eye like that. The question you have to ask yourself, again, is what are you going to do? Are you going to send in your resignation letter immediately? Are you going to email them back and say, I'm not going to do that? Are you going to make them fire you for insubordination because you're refusing to play along? Or are you also going to get together as a collective of awake people, put your foot down and say, we're not doing this, which means you're going to have to fire all of us so you have a decision to make? I mean, let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, these dummies got in the adult management business on purpose. Anybody who's in a management position is in a management position for adults. Which means you're trying to get everybody to do the same thing all the time and think the same way, and that's really what it's all about. So why don't you make them earn their money? Make them earn their cash. Make them try to manage a group of people who are going to refuse. This is of vital importance. You have to do this. You have to stand up individually and collectively against these kinds of moves. And corporate will back down because they will not fire you. Keeping in mind, they have a plan for that too. And if they fire you, well, they'll replace you with another self-checkout line or a robot. But there are some lines of work where they can't fire people. They can't rely on computers to get a job done. And if you go along with this in the future and you go along with this tyranny, you're a part of the problem. And at this point, you have coming what you have coming. You've deserved it at that point. So that was the first caller. Again, Kroger's employee from Michigan. Now at the Kroger's where I live, Apparently they're not wearing masks as of yet, but there's still the occasional patron who's wearing a mask. And well, let's face it, that person's not going to make it. Um, an, the other person here was the note I wrote. I said work from home corporations are getting rid of the unjabbed by using a a callback to the office call. Okay, this was this was good too. This person called in, and they said they they've worked. Virtually and from home for well over a decade, long before the COVID lie. They said, but now, all of a the sudden, they've received an email within the last month or two that says they're being asked to come back to the office. It was his estimation that the reason that that's taking place now, after a decade of not being in an office, is because they want to weed out the unjabbed and they want to force jabs on people who are working for the company in order to return to the building, which is now mandatory yet again, or I should say for the first time, certainly within his line of work, and then that will weed out those individuals who are noncompliant. Makes total sense. My own brother, for example, he's double-jabbed and was working from home throughout 2020, 2021, 2022, and all of 2023, Until his company told him, after telling everybody that working from home was going to be a permanent fixture, now they're saying they need to come back to the office once a week or a few times a month or whatever it is. So it's even happened in his workplace. But that right there, again, because, again, talking with him, he even said, again, he's double jabbed, so whatever but he even said that it's expensive for the companies to maintain their buildings and their offices and they don't want to get rid of them because it's basically their hub they have to it's their home base they have to keep it to some extent so by having people go back it justify it justifies the company's position to keep the building in place as opposed to just telling everybody that they can continue to work from home but there's a more nefarious means to this, I think, and strategy behind it, which is what that other caller on his on his show said. Um here was another one. Another person called in and said that employment job boards like indeed.com and 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 these other ones, that they're they're now promoting more jobs available over the next three to four months. And then that's the cutoff date is like November that they're asking for testing places to, to be popped up, and they need employees to work COVID testing tents again. Those mobile testing facilities. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye out for whether or not you start to see those pop up again. This was heartbreaking. A guy called in and said that his father in Chicago, that he was told that his SNAP benefits are going to be denied when it comes to filing the, any new application or new paperwork because th- they are now forced to be jabbed in order to fill out new SNAP benefit paperwork. So people will be losing benefits uh, and denied their benefits if they are not jabbed. Again, if you can't understand the depopulation agenda here, uh, it's it's crystal clear. The writing is on the wall here. They want these people dead. Another person called in and was talking about military bases, and they live on a military base and are surrounded by military bases. And they said that military bases are emailing people now to stay home if they're sick because COVID is ramping up. "Quote unquote." So. Those were just some of the phone calls that, uh, that, that people made calling into Alex Jones' show. Again, I find the phone calls to be the most telling because he takes these phone calls, you assume, from numerous individuals across the entire United States and that they aren't just paid actors. You would hope not anyway, and that they're actually bringing in real intel, which leads me to this. This is my homework project for everybody. I'm a vessel for that kind of information. That's one of the reasons why I'm here. Feel free and flood my email inbox with what you are seeing regarding where you work or what your family members are seeing regarding where they are working and any other COVID-related measure that, that is uh, beginning to take place or starting to roll out yet again. Email me what those are. Again, any specific email you receive from a company, I'll leave the company's name out, perhaps, uh, depending on what your wishes are. I'll certainly leave your names out, those that you're affiliated with, I'll leave those out. But if you want to email me those, I will bring them all up on the show, no doubt about it. I'm, I, I want to end with this because I'm starting to lose my voice here. Um, I could keep talking, but it'll just get more graveled. Uh, this is from the FDA's website, and Sicily threw this my way because we were talking about different scenarios and what people would do and what would frankly even happen if emergency use authorization for these shots were lifted and this got full FDA approval. I think it's only a matter of time because they've blurred those lines to the point where people don't even understand that emergency use authorization does not mean mandatory. Therefore, no one can force this on anybody, but they falsely interpreted it as such. So what would happen uh, if a health emergency ended, which of course there isn't one, it's just among the jabbed, but what happens to emergency use authorizations when a public health emergency ends? And again, this is from the FDA's own website. This was written, or at least signed off, and updated on May 12th of this year. It says on May 11, 2023, the COVID-19 public health emergency declared under the Public Health Services Act Act rather, expired. It says since the start of the COVID-19 public health emergency and the FDA uh, has been committed to providing timely recommendations and regulatory information to support response efforts and important tools and flexibilities to manufacturers Healthcare facilities, providers, patients, and other stakeholders. It says the FDA remains committed to providing notice and information to all impacted stakeholders to ensure a smooth transition. It says, importantly, the ending of the public health emergencies declared by HHS under the PHS Act will not impact FDA's ability to authorize devices, including tests which as we know are fake, treatments or vaccines for emergency use. It says existing emergency use authorizations for products will remain in effect and the agency may continue to issue new emergency use authorizations going forward when criteria for issuance are met. So what they're saying is, is There's no public health emergency anymore, and there's no Public Health Emergency Act, which means they can still keep the EUAs in place, which unfortunately has been misinterpreted into being that these institutions can, quote-unquote, mandate, not mandatory, but mandate that they be used or taken by the people who inhabit these working environments. Now, I'm going to skip down to this section, which is question three on their frequently asked questions, and this is kind of a big deal. It says, how are emergency use authorizations terminated or revoked? It says the following, and I'm just going to read this entire thing here, because in summary, it basically says they can continue to re-up the emergency use authorization, or it says other circumstances make revocation appropriate to protect the public health or safety. They can do away with the EUA and make it mandatory, allegedly. So it says the following from the top to bottom here. It says, in general, emergency use authorization will remain in effect for the duration of EUA declaration under which it was issued. There are two mechanisms, termination or revocation that result in an EUA no longer being in effect. Number one, it says, quote, If an EUA declaration under Section 564 of the FDNC Act is terminated, then all EUAs issued pursuant to the EUA declaration cease to be in effect on the date of the termination of HHS's EUA declaration under section 564 of the FDNC act except in certain instances where there where they can i'm sorry where there can be continued use of the EUA product in accordance with section 564F2 for the FDNC act as noted above and then it says number 2 an individual EUA may be revoked by FDA prior to termination of the EUA declaration supporting it if the circumstances justify issuance no longer exists, number two, the criteria for its issuance no longer met, or number three, other circumstances make revocation appropriate to protect the public health or safety. It says, examples of circumstances that may make revocation appropriate to protect the public health or safety are described in the FDA guidance titled Emergency Use Authorization of Medical Products and Related Authorities. It says FDA lists terminated and revoked EUAs on our website, and then they have two links there. My interpretation of this is the following. They can take away an EUA if they want but they can also make the thing that was under EUA mandatory based on what they deem to be important for the health and safety of the public. This is a medical overreach the likes of which we have not seen yet, not with the COVID shots. I think long term, down the line, that road has got to be crossed. They have to make them mandatory or attempt to make them mandatory. Then, ladies and gentlemen, all hell is going to break loose. That's going to force everybody out. That's going to force everybody's hand. So, long episode, I know. I covered a great deal there. Um, thanks for listening. If you made it the, basically all the way through, um, I think I hit on pretty much everything that I wanted to for the most part. And yeah, I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, I would encourage people to remember the following thing here, and again, Amazing Polly brought this up in in her last episode, and I completely agree. You have to hold on to what is real. You have to remember what is real and understand what is not real, and do not allow people to normalize what is not real. Continue to live your lives as normally as humanly possible, and if and when the time comes, individuals start to revert back to their old brainwashed ways of just going along with whatever their TV says. You have to stand against that. You have to be the man against the masses when it comes to this. Again, there are varying takes on it. One, of course, is just a lack of participation. Don't buy anything on Amazon. Don't go to the store. Don't participate in what what these corporations are doing. And then there's the other aspect, which is continue to use the, the services that you've continued to use this entire time, um, but just don't comply with any of their distancing or their temperature checking or their counting of you as you walk into the building or the mask wearing or any of that. Me, me personally, I tend to enjoy the former. That if you just stop going to these places, those corporations aren't going to be getting your money. So... Stock up now on particular things if you can, and just get prepared. That's all. Doesn't mean we have to panic about anything. We know what's going on. We know the lie. So all we have to do is just continue to live in the truth. And if other people continue to live in the lie in this day and age, they're not going to make it. Again, to steal the same title from my substack, it's Second Wave Warfare. This is the second wave. We knew there would be a second wave. We knew that they would do this again. They have to do this again. They have to try. So they're going to do it again. The exact moment that they pull the trigger is is not really up to us. We we can make predictions on all of that, but people are already pulling that trigger. So your lack of participation is what makes all of this stop. It it, it forces all of these human being managers. To actually earn their money in an attempt to manage all of the human beings that will not comply. They can't manage their way out of that. There's no managing their way out of that. Just as a quick reminder, feel free and send me any information that you are receiving from the places where you work and the things that you're seeing regarding the potential for any of this coming back and whether or not uh, they have new restrictions in place or anything that's even different from what they tried the last time. I will most certainly bring them up on the show. And your anonymity, of course, is always at the forefront of of my concern, and you can remain anonymous. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Friday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless.